We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me at. We do this every time. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and at CKID206. And we're bringing you guys a special interview uh, on the podcast this week. Um, it's it's a pre-recorded one, so you won't hear like the natural, hey, how you doing? And the pleasantries. We did all that before we press record uh, we just jump right into it but it's uh it's one we've been me and chris have been waiting to bring you guys for a while we had one of you guys favorite seahawks on we had doug baldwin join us for a very great conversation um not a lot of like oh let's talk about your you know about the the seahawks is currently constructed because as you're gonna learn when listening doug doug's a deeper dude than that and you probably learned that when he was playing but there's so much more to dive into with him than um, just how the Seahawks are doing, or Russ, or Pete, or how any of his former teammates are rocking. Um, so we really tried to dive into Doug, learn about him. You know it's Chris and me, so we're going to talk about route running regardless of who we – so you know we got in there. Um, but, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoy it. Like I said, been waiting a while to bring it to you guys. Let us know what you guys think. Make sure you subscribe it on YouTube, share it on YouTube, Spotify, all that good stuff. And then without further ado, man, here's Doug Baldwin's uh, debut on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Doug, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting about just kind of going back and looking at some of your old interviews and, and quotes and just any, any stories about you is that you seem to have emphasized trying to find out who Doug Baldwin is without like Seahawks receiver in front of it, right? Like trying to find who Doug Baldwin is without this game of football that's consumed your life since you were like six or seven years old. Let's let's start yeah. off with a very deep question here, if you don't mind. Uh, have you discovered who Doug is without football? Um, yeah, actually, that's a great w- way to start this off. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just a flawed, another flawed human being. You know, that's what it comes down to. I think the worst thing that a person can do is feed into being idolized. Right. And I did that. You know, there's a lot of consequences that come with that. Um, and in the process of kind of unraveling all of that, you're right, had to figure out, like, who is Doug Baldwin really? Who am I really? 
how do I fit into the, the bigger picture, the grand scheme of the world? And how do I, how do I want to show up? Since I was six years old, I've been uh, kind of idolized and put on this pedestal because of my performance on the football field. But then when all that's gone, you know, you have to, as an individual, you have to ask yourself, what is my value as a human being? What do I bring to the table in humanity? And, you know, I, three days after I retired, my first daughter was born. And that gave me a, a, a very different perspective, right? Like none of the accolades that I achieved in football or in sports or in business or in anything, none of those amount to anything if I'm not a good human being for my daughters. And so my, my mission now is try to be the best version of myself that I can possibly be for my wife and for my two daughters so that when they get older, they at least have a foundation of an understanding of what it's like to be loved by their father, to be loved by a man. And so that's, you know, that's my mission. That's my goal now. That's who Doug Baldwin is now. And I, I, my bad for starting off so deep like that. That's just been something. I've been wanting to ask you that for like two years. It feels nah, like. that's. Because <laughs> I, like I feel like we're all trying to figure out that. We all have like a title, you know, and stripping that away, yeah. you really find out find out who you are. And also, the I had to wait so long to ask that. You've been, you've been MIA for a little bit, you know. You did, I think you only did, you did the London podcast since you retired. Uh, shout out to the homies Adam and Stu and the Pedestrian Pod. And you did uh you did, uh, I think, a, a podcast with us with the Athletic. Uh, I forget her name, but Serepipat, if I'm not mistaken, you yeah, did that. Yeah, yeah, Prim. yeah, yeah, Prim. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you've yeah. You, it's, it's you've been you've been real tight lipped since since you retired. Why is that? Man, I had to. You know, when you go through this process, you got to eliminate a lot of the distractions. You know, I had to I had to keep my mind stimulated intellectually. So I did. Um, I joined Intellectual Ventures as a as an advisor, just to you know, continue to work on my brain, make sure that I was still stimulated. But, you know, I had to get away from that world, right? That, I mean, it's an entertainment industry at the end of the day. And, you know, there's a lot of distractions, a lot of false affirmations and beliefs about myself that were wrapped up into that identity. And I wanted to remove myself from that environment so I could really have a clear image and a clear conscious of what, of you know, who I was in that moment so that I could change and be the person that I wanted to be and work towards that person I want to be and, and for my daughters and for my wife in the future. Right. So it was intentional. Uh, and, you know, quite honestly, like removing myself from that environment, I feel like I'm a much healthier person. Now, don't get me wrong. Like there's still some of that identity pool that I'm still, you know, grappling with and wrestling with, but, for the most part, I feel like I'm a healthier human being mentally and emotionally. I'm healthier than I was when I was in it, honestly. You know, you know, there's two things. I mean, I'm a, I know you say you the idolization is a dangerous thing, but I'm going to show you I'm gonna show you some love here and say what I admire about about you is that you and Mike B both. I think you've shown how to be vulnerable on a major platform in a way that is super, super, super hard and scary you know you put yourself out here in front of strangers and media people who tweet everything and have hot takes about everything you say and take the little excerpt you know it's very dangerous and, and and very scary um but one of the ways that you've you've done that in a way that i think is probably most revealing is how you've talked about chaos and how it pertains to your life um i think you even said once that like it's you said you called it really shitty that like your children have a father that doesn't know how to operate without chaos and I, yeah. like, that's something I don't think you're alone in. There are millions of people who are very similar, whether they know it or not. So I throw this question to you. Do you still not know how to operate without chaos? Um, I'm getting better at it, right? Like this is, uh, this is something my wife and I talk about all the time. Like 
I have a mind that perpetually wants to compete, right? I'm a competitor through and through. It doesn't matter if it's football or basketball or chess or checkers. Like, if we're going to play for competition, I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> like, that's, just, that's, just, that's just what's in my body. And so I need an outlet for that, and I need a productive outlet for that. Uh, and I'm finding that now. You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to have a great mentor over at Intellectual Ventures who put me in a great situation, a great spot to, like, compete in some – in the business world. Mm. Um, and so I get to do that now and create it and creating a team to go do that. Like I'm having a lot of fun uh, just doing that now, but you know, to get back to your question, it's like when I'm in that chaos, right? Like that, there was kind of an addictive thing about it. Cause it was like, you got to rise to the occasion or in some, there's some other thoughts of like, you don't rise to the occasion. You just default back to your training and something about that is addicting, right? Like when you're up against the wall, when, you really have to, um, you know, for uh, a lack of a better term, just figure out who the hell you really are. Like there's something really uh, addicting and revealing and just, you know, gravitating about that. And so I needed to get out of that mindset that I needed to do that to prove myself and my worth in this world in order for me to be stable and recognize the things that are around me that I could enjoy and actually be present for, you know, specifically speaking, my daughters, right? Like if I'm constantly thinking about trying to compete or, um, you know, being distracted because I'm not in chaos, feeling that those feelings, then I'm not present for my daughters and they're not getting the best version of me. Uh, and so I had to change that. And, you know, yeah, it was and back when I said that quote, it was, it, it, and it is still shitty that my daughters have to deal with that to some degree, but I'm much better at it now than I was. And that's attributed because I'm actually working on it. You know, I'm focused on work, working on that aspect of my life. So, yeah, I'm getting much better at it, though. So you're not you're not going to let your daughters win at like you know, Scrabble, Uno, you know, let your wife. Come on, there's got to be something. Got, they have to be the soft spot for you. You got to let them win at something, even if you're hyper competitive, right? Come on, man. You're not beating them at Uno. You know, <laughs> come on, man. You got to let. Come on. I mean, I'm not going to let them win, you know, but <laughs> I, will, I will definitely make sure that they understand, you know, the framework of whatever we're doing to compete so that they have fun doing it. You know, right. I don't want to take that away from them. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I want I, there are some positive aspects of that competitive nature that I, I would like to pass on to them. And they already have it. Right. right. That's, I think that's just in their blood. But um, now you're right, because I'm still like that with my little brother. We, we play when we play basketball, we play horse. He ain't winning. <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving him a shot. So we learned that Doug's the guy is hitting you with the extra draw fours <laughs> in the Uno. He's not even like, you know, I could put down the wild, just make it yellow. Like, nah, nah, nah. I need you to pick up four of these things. That, that, okay. Yeah. That's why the most revealing thing we're going to get today. Chris, right here. <laughs> Doug, you mentioned balance and figuring it out. How much of a role did your wife and daughter play in this role of figuring out the balance of not being as competitive, but finding when and how to use it? Man, Chris, that's a great question. Through my entire career in sports it's always been about you know what have you done for me lately what can you do for me lately on the football field right it's about performing it's about you know if, if you ain't catching those passes then we're gonna find somebody else to catch those passes right and if you take that personally which i do i take everything personally uh you look at yourself in a devalued light right when when you don't meet those expectations of those around you or yourself 
And the thing that my wife, the gift that she gave me was forgiveness, was grace. You know, I, I wasn't a great human being, to be completely honest with you. You know, like when you're in that violent world, like you have to think a certain way. And sometimes that translates to other aspects of your life when, you know, if it's not in control. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't the man that I wanted to be, right, in a lot of aspects. And my wife was just like, she was perpetually just helping me and guiding me and coaching me and teaching me and showing me love, right? Like genuine, true love. As I was battling my demons and therapy and, you know, I got three different therapists that I still see to this day, right? But as I was battling those demons of like from leaving the game, right? Like she was, she was just, she was just empathetic with the, the entire experience and consistently and constantly showing me love. That's and, dope. You know, it, it's, it was a, it was a really, um, it was kind of hard for me to process, right? Because I'm sitting in this, like, to be completely honest, when I left the game, it was probably like eight months. I'm not a doctor, but I would say I was probably clinically depressed. Right. Mm. And in that time, like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my own thoughts, like I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm not, you know, I'm not being kind of that energy for our family. And I wasn't able to provide, you know, like what I thought a husband should be able to provide to my wife in those moments. And I, so I wasn't performing, right? I wasn't performing up to my standard. And she still loved me. And she still gave me grace through the process so that I could get through that to be able to get to a healthier place. Um, you know, and I was really hard on her. And I saw the weight that, that she carried in that but she gave that back to me, you know, she loved me through it. And, you know, and now I get to see her do the same thing with our daughters and modeling true, genuine, you know, unconditional love. I mean, it, it yeah, it, it changed my life for sure. I have two Doug Baldwin anecdotes I'm going to share here. One of the two of my favorite moments, but they're very small. Like one of them is um, as locker cleanout day, uh, after the January after the 2017 season, so that's when the Seahawks didn't make the playoffs, and Doug's holding court at. Uh, I still have the video to this day. I'm never going to erase it. And it because the one thing you said we were talking. That's when, if you remember, Doug, everyone was on Bevel's head. It was like, is you know, is Bevel the problem? Um, and you were one of the main guys defending Bevel. And we we're asking all these bad questions, and then you just say like, do you guys even watch film? <laughs> you guys even do your job? And I've never forgot that. Now I watch more film than uh, like than ever because that Doug's in my head every time I'm watching film. The other one. <laughs> Is on July 26, 2018. This is during camp. I tweet, I could spend the entire day watching Shaquille Griffin go against Doug Baldwin. A very like nothing tweet. It's just like, oh, you know, training camp is fun. On July 27th of 20, uh, 2018, Doug Baldwin walks up to me. He says, You could watch it all day, huh? And I'm like, Does he? <laughs> oh, and he just walks off. And I'm like, Oh, he's talking about my. T wow, this dude really is uh competitive so like it, i just i'm never gonna forget those you know just mostly because now that was the first time as a beat writer i was like okay these guys see the tweets like <laughs> the, the, let me be very careful about of course. Uh, of course you never really know though who because i didn't tag you or Shaq, uh so you never know who's like searching their name or something like that. those are two of my favorite doug baldwin anecdotes and it goes into what you said about taking stuff personal which transitioned to one of the football things we wanted to talk about is that of football you've talked about has been mentally taxing and physically taxing in a way I don't think us mere mortals who don't play the game can quite understand. 
but you seem to have found internal joy in routing DBs up. <laughs> Why is that of all the things that the way this game could bring you joy, that particular activity, you know, was, was your thing. Why was that your thing in that way? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, it's a deep answer though. We're getting um, deep today. I don't know if you noticed. We're getting, we're getting I, deep today. I know. I know. I appreciate that. Um, you know, the truth of it is that, like, when you go through childhood experiences, right, they shape you um, and your personality and the way that you view the world, right? And the things that I went through as a child, it was like, I needed to find a way to prove my worth. I needed to find a way to prove my value. Um, and I didn't want to be a liability. You know, that was that's one of the biggest things that I still deal with now is like, if I don't do something, you know, up to the standard or the expectation that people around me have, I feel like I let them down. And if I let them down, then I feel like I'm a liability and I don't ever want to feel like a liability. And that's something that's, you know, I'm still, dis I'm, tr I'm trying to distinguish what that really is, but I know it, it comes from my childhood because I can look back and reflect on it and know that that's where it started, right? Little league sports. But when it came to the football field and in, in the NFL, it's like, this this is my one-on-one -on -one matchup. I have to win my matchup, right? And I don't want it to be a question of whether I won or not. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's no question whether I won or not. Example, right? The Super Bowl 49, the one we lost against the Patriots, right? Darrell Rebus is yapping that whole week, right? It kind of subtle jabs. Nobody was really listening to him, but I was. And I took him personal. And, you know, I wanted I wanted to route him up. I wanted to let him know I wanted, I wanted to send Darrell Revis into retirement. Be completely honest with you, right? I studied him. I studied him more than I've ever studied anybody ever. I knew who Darrell Revis was as a man, right? Like <laughs> knew that way, his he, last name and everything, or middle name and everything. The way he walked, the way he talked, the way he acted—like I knew his personality. I knew what I was going to do, when I was going to do it, and how I was going to do it. Mm. And I needed to. I needed to have that level of 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 confidence because I wanted to leave no doubt, right? I didn't get the ball thrown to me a lot in that situation, maybe because, you know, it was Darrell Revis and we were worried about throwing in his direction. But if you watch the tape, murdered him, you know, like, and, and that feeling, that feeling comes from nah, you, there's nothing you can say that I didn't do. I did my job. Mm -hmm. I'm not the liability, you know, and, it's, it's wrapped up in some childhood stuff and some ego, obviously. But at that level, it was like, it was all of those components put together, plus the fact that I just loved the craft of running routes, mm. right? I loved like the basketball aspect of it, the basketball nature of it. Like you, it's one-on-one -on -one and I get to do whatever I want to do to juke you, make you go that way when I'm going this way, you know? Like there's something beautiful about that. I'm not the most athletically gifted person in the world, right? So what is the underlying element that kind of drove me in that direction? And that's the childhood experiences, right? Like that's the kind of, that substance that you, you can't really put language around or can't really pinpoint, but that's the thing that made me elevate my game is that I didn't want to be a liability. So I enjoyed that because it was affirmation that I was safe, but it was also like, this was my craft that I was blessed with the ability to to demonstrate that, you know, that level of focus, shameless self-promotion. I think I'm one of the best route runners that ever played the game, at least in the slot. I'll argue that with anybody. No, as you should, man, you, Mike and I, when we were wa watching games or after watching games, I'd be like, you know, Doug is, 
top 10 in the league right now in route running. And it's not even like he might be number four or five, you know, after Julio Jones and all these other guys. But my question to you is within route running, what goes into being a great route runner? Because it's easy for, you know, someone that has the quickness and the speed, but for someone like yourself, you said, I'm not the most athletic gifted. So what goes into being a great route runner? Empathy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I've done a lot of <laughs> I've done a lot of thinking about like what was it? You know, because I want to take whatever that that skill set was and I want to translate it to other things. Right. And I think what it came down to is that, you know, the, the Darrell Rivas example, like I really had to know who he was as a person. And so I'm kind of like putting myself in his shoes as I'm watching his interviews, as I'm, you know, watching him guard other receivers. It's like, why is he doing that? You know, like, let me try to feel in my body why he's, you know, his body language and his mannerisms and his thought process. Like, why did he kick right there? Why did he use his left arm instead of his right arm? Right. It's just a level of empathy. And so then when I get into those situations when I'm going against him, now I have something of an advantage against him. I can set him up knowing that he's going to do this because of the body language that I'm giving him. And knowing that that's coming, I can counter it before he even knows that I'm about to counter it. Right. But then also the empathetic side of like knowing your quarterback, knowing your receivers, knowing your offensive line. How much time do I have to get open on this route, right? What does the quarterback like to throw? Where, is the, where can the quarterback see me on the field in this particular route concept, right? Where can I make sure that I'm being um, thoughtful about my other teammates and I'm getting them open in the process of also getting myself open? And if you put all those components together, not only are you being – successful as an individual but you're helping the team be successful mm. and the only i guess the, the the only way i know how to describe that is just to call it empathy right it's really thinking about the other pieces around you and how you fit in the bigger picture and then making sure that you're accountable to that role so that the whole machine can move forward efficiently 
you talked about going up against Darrell Revis and you took it personally and you did your homework on this guy. Like you said, you knew everything about him on and off the field. You were ready for the matchup. What are some other matchups that you looked at the schedule or maybe you're just going into that week, you're like, oh, this is going to be a fun one that you looked forward to and competing against, whether it be a corner or a defense? I always loved going up against the Patriots. Patriots, obviously, Bill Belichick is an uh, incredibly intelligent mind when it comes to the, the X's and O's of football. So, you know, he always presented a challenge to me that was different. You know, it was, whether it was in coverage or the particular matchup, um, I always enjoyed going up against the New England Patriots. Um, I mean, there's so many different guys in the league. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, Champ Bay. I said, I'm sorry, man. I can put you on the spot with that big question there. <laughs> no, nah, it, it was a great question. I mean, there were so many guys in the league at the time. Like, you know, quite honestly, Demetrius, Dimitri Patterson, he played with the Cleveland Browns. I think it was my rookie year. Um, like, he, he, put, he put the clamps on me. But the game was like six to three. We, we <laughs> oh, I remember that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. Um, uh, some terrible call happened that cost us the game. But anyways, uh, Dimitri Patterson, he was a slot corner at the time. You know, not highly touted. I don't think he was in the league for actually that that long. But in that game, like, he, he taught me some valuable, valuable lessons. I remember I lost him at the line of scrimmage. I went up to get him my route, and I turned around, and he was sitting right there. Mm. And, I'm, and, you know, I remember going back and watching the film, and it was just my body language. My body language was giving everything away. You know, but he was reading it. He was paying attention to it. So I remember him, Champ Bailey, obviously Darrell. Um, man, I, I now I can't even think of names. I got the pictures in my head, but I can't even think of the guys' names right now. Uh, there's a guy from Carolina. Uh, I love playing against Josh Norman. Also, what's the, what's the kid that plays for the Rams now? Oh, Jalen Ramsey. Big Jalen Ramsey. Man, listen, I I wanted Jalen Ramsey, but I wanted him when I was healthy, mm. when I was younger. He, he superior athlete would you know creates a challenge that um not a lot of defensive backs pose uh but i didn't get him when i was at my best unfortunately another lifetime though <laughs> yeah i was looking forward to that one of that 2017 matchup um against against the jags that's funny you mentioned yeah. josh norman because that that one when he plays for the washington football team boy <laughs> Trying to impress Doug and oh my god, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? He yeah. would nothing but air. Doug yeah. was a ghost. Yeah, nah. he knew better. He knew better. <laughs> yeah, that was that was not good. That one in the Jair Alexander, like triple move. Oh, the Packers in 2018. The, yeah, the out and up, the out and up again. Oh man, that was, that was a cheat route though. That was, oh, that okay. Was, I, I didn't feel good about that one. It's <laughs> too many moves. That know? was a lot. It's like three. It's like a triple move. That's that's. Hey, true, there was know? one. I want to say it was like 2017 or 2016. It was Minnesota, and I want to say it was in the preseason. And I was um, I was on the left side when the slot, and I had a route going across the field, and I made that dude turn around. I think Oof. twice. I and find that. I, I will never forget that route. Yeah, I was. I'll never forget that route. I, Almost got knocked out when I uh, on the sideline, but so I remember it for two reasons. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was probably one of my favorite routes. I did go back and watch the Super Bowl um, after you. I think you mentioned that Reeves thing. Think twice. I did a lot of research for this. We can't can't tell, but you definitely mentioned it with the homies in London. So I went back and like, really, He's kicking Reeves' ass? Let me go look at this. <laughs> Show but, was. But if not, uh, yes, like if people, I encourage people to go watch if you can because Doug's not lying. The other thing is that puts in context your celebration on the touchdown. 
<laughs> like yeah. it, it does because it's not just like oh I scored in the Super Bowl, which like nah, big Revis, deal. Nah, Revis, I'm shitting on you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, no, that's really what it was. Yeah, no, that 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 puts the it, when I saw the tape, saw the interview, I'm like, oh okay, now this was very very personal. I had Cliff reach out to you, and this was maybe two years ago. This is when I was working with Cliff at KJR and whatnot. Because we had a big debate on the the most elite route runners of all time. I gave him my list, and one of the hosts at the oh, station yeah. was tripping, was like, no, Chris, you're crazy, Steve Largent, whoop-de-whoop. And I was like, I respect it. I went home and watched a little bit of film of Largent. I told Mike off wax, and I was like, yo, man, the dudes he was going up against that they were playing today, <laughs> it wouldn't even be close. Cats is running 4-4. I just don't know if he would get open like that. No disrespect. So I want to. I just want to do top five. Like, who are your top five great all-time route runners? If you can just give us your list on that. Top five route runners. You can include um, yourself in this. Yes, list. and that, you know what? I did forget to mention. Include yourself if you must. All right. Well, that's that's a cheat. That's a cheat. So I'm not gonna <laughs> do that. I'll, I'll I'll give you five. Chad Ochocinco was one of my favorites. Perfect. Okay. Uh, his his feet were incredible. Um, Reggie Wayne. Mm. Reggie Wayne was one. Um, Steve Smith, Steve Smith's routes were, were ridiculous because he was so strong, right? Like he could route you up. And then even if you were still close, he would moss you or just <laughs> throw you off of him. Yeah. Um, and he was incredible to watch. Um, Andre Reed, old Ooh. school Buffalo Bills. Okay. Yeah. He's one of my favorites too. Um, who else? Yeah. One um, more. Who who cracks the five? I know. Um, man, there's so many good ones. Yeah, there's a million. There's like, I was gonna say you can throw A B there. So, <laughs> yeah, he's he's crazy good too. Yeah, A A B's A B's up there. Although, like, don't get me wrong, I love A B. I mm-hmm. think his game is. It's spectacular. I don't know if I can say it's like he, he's just got so many physical tools. I feel that, yep. That it makes it really easy, you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to say Wes Welker. There's and maybe it's just like you know competitive spirit. I don't want to put Wes <laughs> Welker up there, right? Um, but I think Wes Welker was up there. He, like he was a real, real try hard guy routes routes weren't all that great like at the beginning of his career but as he molded into the receiver that he was like you could just tell he knew the game inside and out he knew the chess match and maybe that's because he was with tom and, and bill belichick over there but um i really liked what he was uh what he put together for his career there's a current guy that i really really like cooper oh. cup Mm, that's Mr. my boy. Mr. Deceptive. Come on, yeah. man. The China route. The China, yeah, the China route. That boy is cold with it. So, yeah. yeah. I love that list, though. That's dope, man. Yeah. yeah. And Cooper Cup got probably some of the best hands in the league since I retired. <laughs> that's fair, too. I like that since I retired. Since, part. yeah. You got to yeah, let, yeah, let yeah. everybody hey, know. got to be honest. got to be honest. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's fair for you. You and Larry Fitz got uh, some pretty reliable hands. Uh, I think that dude. For sure. Does he still have, he have, he ended his career with more, more tackles, tackles and than drops. Drop passes. Crazy. That means you play with a lot of bad quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of. That's what that stat tells me on top of, oh, you can catch. Like, also, damn, how many guys are you asked to tackle? Like, For real. Yeah. For real. Uh, a, a lot of them. 
what one thing another thing I found very interesting is particularly with you and probably Richard as well is like Pete's the way Pete's program was set up brought out the best in you guys as as player or not even not the best just brought out something in you guys maybe particularly the competitive part what did the way that the Seahawks were structured at the time that you got there with the compete stuff how did, yeah. what did that bring out and you got you in particular just a, as a person not just like we've, we talked about the route running stuff but as a person what did the, the the culture of the Seahawks at the time bring out in you uh but it was just he gave us space he gave us space to be ourselves really what it came down to like look don't get me wrong like Pete was a you know he was the instrument of that of kind of allowing us to create that culture right but we were already super competitive like Sherm was you know out of his mind competitive when we were at Stanford and as was I right and just and then you put all these pieces together and guys who genuinely did not care about the accolades, like we didn't care about the trophy or sorry, we didn't care about like the statistics or the, um, the individual accolades. We only cared about winning, right? When we, when, when I lined up with you on one-on-one, you're going to lose because mm. all I care about is winning, you know, mm. same with Sherm. Sherm was, it doesn't matter what receiver was in front of him. That receiver wasn't going to catch the ball. You know, Cam, if you came across the middle, you was going to get smacked, you know, Earl wasn't going to let anything if, – if a quarterback threw a deep ball on Earl, he took that personally, you know? There was just a level of understanding and respect that we all had for each other that we showed up and we were just like, no, nah, we're going to compete. We don't care who you are, where you were drafted, where you come from, whether you're a first-round pick or, the, or, or undrafted cat, there's a, there's a standard here. There's an expectation. And if you don't meet that expectation, that standard, then you can't hang with us. And it's, it has nothing to do with – you know, again, who you are, where you come from. It's just like, can you show up and give us your full effort? If you don't give us your full effort, then how do we know who you are? How do we know what your strengths and weaknesses are to complement the rest of the team? We won't. So if you don't give us that, then you're not helping us be the best version of ourselves. And that was the mindset that we had as players. But the culture that Pete kind of allowed us to create, it, it allowed for that. It had a certain level of accountability. And if you go back, like there were times like, you know, we, we, we were buttoned up against the edge. We were fighting all the time. You know, we got fined. I think we got like a draft pick taken away at some point or the threat of a draft pick coming, uh, being taken away if we got in fights again. Um, but we just had this level of accountability that was, you know, you just, you weren't going to get by on not being a part of the culture, you know, um, and so Pete really gave us the opportunity to build that and to cultivate that and to make it our own. And it was a beautiful thing to be a part of. Yeah, I think that's uh, we've talked about this on the show. I know we talked about this with Cliff before where everyone listening and watching. Uh, this is why you just can't replace Legion of Boom or Marshawn with the hottest new draft pick or Doug or yeah. Cam just because this guy hits hard. I mean, like that there's a mental part of the game that uh, you guys honed. But I also think I'm going to flip this for a second here. Because it's very, it's almost like very tribal, or um, mm-hmm. maybe tribal is not the word, but like um, it, it really plays on like the animal, the animal instincts in like a human being, of like being yeah. warriors and hyper, hyper competitive, and it doesn't allow. And football just in general cultivates this culture of like macho, tough. If something's wrong, play through it. But this is where again I turn to you and Michael Bennett in particular, showing us that like, hey, you know what? I can be vulnerable here. I don't have the answers. I'm not even okay today. 
you know, like, and that's okay to let you guys know that. And that I call, I call that a super, a superpower because that is very hard. And if everybody in the world could do it, it wouldn't be so special. So my, I'm going to toss this question to you. When did you learn that it wasn't okay, that it's okay to just not be okay sometimes? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think there was one time in life that I was like, oh, I get it now. You know, it was a consistent process. And then just as a human being, like we all have patterns, right? And if you can pay attention to those patterns and recognize why, you know, you have those patterns or what triggers those patterns, then I think you have the ability to change those patterns, right? Like you have to be aware of it. So uh, really what I did, especially during that time of after I left the game was just, I was just, I was trying to pay attention to how I moved, how I acted, you know, what, what was my response emotionally, physically, mentally to the stimuli around me. Um, and then asking myself, why did I respond that way? You know, mm. and in the process of doing that, I really recognized the value of being vulnerable, you know, and then, and then I tried to reflect back on when I was in the league and like, you know, there'd be times like you didn't know it, but I was dealing with mental health issues, you know, but, but it didn't matter. I had to go out there and practice. Right? I got to mm. go out there and, and, and perform on this field for the rest of my team. And, you know, when you, when you kind of put those things to the side and then they're, they're under the rug or they're under the surface, at some point you have to deal with them because they're going to be exposed. They're going to, you know, and, and it, even if you keep suppressing them in one area, they're going to come out of, and from somewhere else. Um, and so I, over that time period, over that process, I really realized that if I wanted to be as healthy as I possibly could be, I had to be honest about my issues. Right. And that's really hard to do. Like you said, it's really hard to do. It's really hard to look in the mirror and say, you know what? You're not a good human being today. But here's how you change it. So hold yourself accountable to changing it. It's really hard to do that. And I've had to consistently do that every day, even to this day, every day. You know, there's something that I'm like not proud of, something that I do that's, you know, that I wish I didn't do. Um, but being vulnerable to that and being honest about it, that's how I correct it. At least that's my opinion. That's how I feel. As you just mentioned, you're still a work in progress and you're trying to better yourself. At 33 years old, what would Doug tell his 24-year-old self when he thought about quitting the game of football? Hmm. What would you tell that young man now at 33 from whether it be the NFL and just life in general? What would you tell him? Try your best. I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I think Yoda was wrong. <laughs> Yoda's quote was, there's do or do not, there is no try. And I disagree. I think the only thing we have in life is try. Mm. All you can do is try. You know? Um, we're all flawed. We're all trying to survive on this. I, I, know, I, I know several interviews now I've said this, but we're all on this rock that's tumbling through space. We're all trying to survive and thrive. We're all flawed, right? And the only thing you can do is try to be a better version of yourself every day. And if you can't do that, you know, what's the alternative? If you're not doing that, what's the alternative? So to me, the only thing we have, the only um, option we have is just to try. Yeah, what I would tell my, myself is, you know, back in college, I was contemplating, uh, quitting football and leaving Stanford, just try. Just try and see where it takes you. I 
you I'm glad you mentioned Star Wars. You're responsible for, and I don't know if you you probably didn't pay attention to care. I did a thread watching all of the Star Wars in a row, live tweeting it, and I hashtagged it Star Wars because I'd never seen them. When you think you mentioned who your favorite character was, and was like R two D two or something like that. Is that do I have that right? Nah. Who who's your favorite character <laughs> in Star Wars? Yeah. Oh, that's a hard question. You said it in the you said it and it, was, it threw everybody off and I tweeted I don't guys I have no idea if Doug's right or wrong here I've never seen Star Wars and then that everyone was like go watch it it wasn't R two D two yeah I, I, it might have been R two D two has it changed I mean there's there's so many like new twists and, and things coming out with Star Wars right now <laughs> um, tough to keep up my so my favorite Star Wars movie of all time is Rogue One okay I think I got to that one I did Rogue One was dope. Um, cause it kind of pulls on the heartstrings from the original trilogy, but it's, you know, new age and the story is really dope. Um, R2D2 is probably my favorite. And the reason why is cause R2D2 is pure. There's no like, you know, there's, there's no hidden agenda with R2D2. He is who he is. Like he's and it's a robot, but it, but the robot is showing empathy and love, you know, like it's, I don't know. It's, uh, I would say R2D2 for sure. Okay, I think I think that thought that's what it was. I forgot how I even started that. It was Doug. It was Doug's the reason that I sat there and watched episode four, five, six, one, two, three, and Rogue One in like a week. So thank you for that. You didn't even know that, but thank you for that. There's, there's, you're welcome. There's, you're welcome. There's two last things uh, that that we want to ask, and one of them is like something I'm particularly interested in as a member of the media because I I just had a thread on Twitter about this. I think the line between an insider, a journalist, and a commentator is very blurred. We're all just kind of media. And it's created this very weird space. I don't, I don't have a time to go into a full soliloquy about it. But you understand our job. You understand that. And you under, obviously understand the job of the athlete and how that relationship should work. How do yeah. you think that can be better? How, whether it's reporters or commentators or whoever, can better understand and, uh, and write about and talk about players? Because it's not, it's not going well, in my opinion. How do you think that can be just better? Um, I don't think that it can mm. Uh-oh. be quite Damn. honest with you. You're in the entertainment business inherently in the entertainment business. There's not a lot of honesty, you know, there just can't be, everybody's got to be protective with their information and with their image. And so it's really hard to get to the root of like who somebody is and what really makes them tick. And also just like the human part of it. Right. Like that's, I think that's the part that I dislike the most about the NFL was that, it just felt so much of a business and so much, so much of it was a facade up front that you couldn't really, um, you know, cultivate those genuine, genuine depths of relationships because, you know, it's like, you got to protect yourself. It's a, you know, there's other receivers who are competing for your job, you know, um, sometimes there's politics involved. And so there's just a lot of nuance and especially in the media part of it, like, you know, you got to be you got to be pr- protective of your image. And so I think it's really I think it's really challenging. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if you can be, um, you know, a person in that space and take in information, you know, and then not let that uh, influence the way that you report mm-hmm. or influence the way that you see somebody from a player's perspective. Um, I think that's just a challenge that comes with the business so i don't uh, to answer your question i have no idea mm. 
You know, I'm not, I didn't expect you to have one, but the, just the no right away. That, that caught me. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying out here. No, because it is very difficult. And I was like, in re I thought about that when researching this in particular. It was like, man, Doug's given some really good stuff. Mostly to, mostly to the homie, shout out Jason Jenks. Shout out to the homie Jenks. was like, those type of things are so important because he understood you and you trusted him to do that. Yeah. And there's just so few opportunities to do that. And it's because, but I do think it's necessary, you know, but it's like, how do yeah. you find that person to let in or people, you know, just like let Prim in, like, it's very hard to do that. And it just gets us into all these bad, bad takes and columns happens and <laughs> reports and, and yeah, it's I tough. Mean, you know, it's, it's hard to do my, my advice, whether it's to you in the entertainment business or just anybody in, in, in general. And I say this to myself too, it's just to be honest. You know, like, just be honest, be honest about your intentions, be honest about, you know, what you don't understand. Like, if you if there's a question, if if, if there's something that's not uh, fully comprehended, like, be honest about it, you know, and don't don't sugarcoat it. Don't facade it. Don't, you know, don't don't beat around the bush. Just be honest about it, because even because even if it results in something that's like really hard to deal with, even if it results in something that's uh, that's, you know, Consider, can be considered conflict. If you're honest about it, I can trust you. Right. You know? So good, bad, ugly, and different. If you're honest about it, I can trust you. And I know what to expect. And, you know, through that process, or through even, even the ugly parts of it, that's how you build trust. Right? That's how you build relationship. You know, I was just talking about it with my wife. Like, we, we went through some really, really hard times early on in our marriage. But because we were coming at it from a perspective like we're teammates and we got to figure this out together and we got to do whatever it takes for us to, to build that rapport, that trust and that camaraderie, then you get through it. And then you have an even greater relationship on the other side of it. So, but I think the foundation of that is to be honest. And so, you know, I, I impart that to you and you've always done that. You've always been that way with me. So it's not, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but um, yeah, if you, if you're asking me what to say, it would be just to be honest. Mm, okay. And let's see, as we wrap this up with you, Doug, again, we want to thank you for hopping on with the Man to Man podcast. I am curious, as as Mike is as well, what's next for you? What do you have in store that you're comfortable with sharing? Because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, man, where's Doug been? Like Mike mentioned, you've done a few pod here and there. You've talked to media every now and then. But what is next for Doug Baldwin? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm exploring my options, right? Um I'm really focused on, I actually, uh, so I, I did take an advisory role with Intellectual Ventures, was there with them for two years. One of the companies that I was advising for, actually, uh, I took the helm of. So I was offered the, the CEO position, so I took that. So now I'm, now I'm with that team, and we're building this company, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. You know, it's, it's a different realm. I get to go and compete every day, but without the, the physical threat of, of violence, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun with that. And I think, I think that's, that's an area where I want to expand on. I want to learn because I do feel like there's a lot of aspects that I learned in football and in, in sports that easily translates to this, this arena, right? The competitive nature, the building that culture, that camaraderie with your teammates of like, I got your back. We're going to go out and do this, accomplish this goal together, solve this problem together, right? Like I, I have a lot of fun with that. Um, where that takes me, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm kind of, I'm super highly focused on this company right now, making sure that we're as successful as we can be, and and you know, roadmapping us to the future. But um, 
You know, I don't, I don't necessarily anymore look out in the future and say, what do I want to do out there? Right. What I'm learning. Well, I should say what my daughters are teaching me is that don't look out there, be right here, mm. be present. And if I take care of, you know, being present and being thoughtful in the moment, whatever is out there, it'll take care of itself. You know, and I want to make sure that I'm going in the right direction by being focused on in the moment. And so um, I appreciate the question. I don't really have a, uh, a, a real answer for you other than, you know, what's next is after this, I'm going to go and eat some snacks with my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fine. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Man. <laughs> no, I mean, I think football does have a lot of lessons that you can value and it's great to like apply them elsewhere without a safety trying to take your head off. I think yeah. that is a, that's a yeah. really, 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 uh, yeah. Really it's, good a, it's a really nice place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, somebody texted me the other day. Uh, I think it was like an injury report for a team. Uh, I don't forget what team. And it was like, man, this bike, this is really long. I texted him back. I said, football hurts. Yeah. It's like, I'm, yes, not, it does. I'm not, not going to do it. But you can learn very valuable life lessons there. And yeah, it, could, it has some benefit. I do have one more for you, Doug. And we did this with Cliff. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Always remember this question. Oh, I always I forget. To, I thank to. you. This is the most because... important question on the whole show. Go ahead. <laughs> We again thank you for rocking with us, but I'm curious. And with this answer, you're gonna have to help, I'm sure, get this person. Who do you think would fit well with the podcast and come on and talk and rap with us for 30 minutes or so or longer that we can get on the pod? We had Cliff, we got you. So who would you say you guys should have this person on the pod? And then to mention you have to assist get that person, whoever it is. Easy. Jermaine Curse. Sign us All up, right. man. We're gonna hold you, we're gonna hold you to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna text them right now. There we there, go. Look we got to follow up with Cliff to get Marshawn. Yes, I'll follow up with Cliff today. Yes, you do that. And work, work on that end. <laughs> yes. Because we're trying, we trying to grow, baby, and we appreciate you for rocking with us for the time being. So thank you again, Doug. Of course. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, man. Thank you. And thank you for your vulnerability. Like I said, I call that a superpower. That is it's not easy, man. I hope everyone listening and watching can learn something just from that part. Like We talked about routes and fun stuff and shitting on Darrell Rivas. Maybe we can get him <laughs> on, too. But like that part in particular, man, I, I think that's going to help me, help Chris, help anybody with whatever they were in football, you know, Star Wars, whatever it is. man. So thank you, Doug. We appreciate you. We appreciate you guys tuning into the Seahawks Man to Man podcast powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company again. Make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel, Seahawks Man to Man on YouTube. Thank you guys so much. We will catch you guys next time. We are out.